Hello and welcome to Mikey Pod, episode 313 for December 15th, 2020. Today's guest is comedian, writer, and fellow podcaster Melinda Hill, who will be talking with me about her comedy special entitled Inappropriate, which is available everywhere and well worth a watch. Not exaggerating, not kidding. Track it down. You should watch the show. I loved this conversation with Melinda Hill, and I know you will too. We talked a lot about intimacy and storytelling and and being able to connect with our audience while telling these kind of personal stories and making the points we want to make. And ah, it was a really good conversation. Anyway, I'm your host, Michael Heron. I'm a composer, pianist, electronic musician, storyteller, and activist based in New York City. On this podcast, I have conversations with fellow creators who use their creativity to change the world. I've been sending this podcast to your ears for over 15 years. If you like what you hear, subscribe using the colorful buttons in the sidebar and footer at MikeyPod.com or just search MikeyPod in your favorite podcast directory. If you'd like to know more about me, stop by my website at michaelheron.com. Hit me up on social media everywhere as at Michael Heron or email mikeypod at gmail.com. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I have a couple of little updates for you before we hop into our uh, interview with Melinda Hill. Uh, the one thing that I want to do is this little check-in I've been doing, like these little COVID check-ins. So people who are uh, listening to this in the future, you know exactly what was going on with COVID while I recorded it. Yesterday was the first day that vaccines started going out to citizens. And it looks like they're all going to um, frontline healthcare workers, which makes perfect sense. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. The, um, what do they call it? The Electoral College, which what? This is, I'm, I know I'm revealing my ignorance here, but what is this for? Why, why is that happening? Why don't we just all vote and be like, okay, you won, bye, okay, we did it, okay. Um, anyway, the Electoral College voted yesterday and that person, President number 45, is officially, officially, officially the loser it's so can we just stop already uh so that's happening uh, i'm really looking forward to uh joe biden being inaugurated as the new president if only to like see less of that awful human being just everywhere Ugh, gross anyway um <laughs> that's my uh political commentary Ugh, gross and this concludes oh no it doesn't conclude i have one more thing my zine I realized it's been nearly a year since I did a, my last zine. I was doing these quarterly and then I was getting behind and then COVID hit. And well, if you're ready for a zine and you've been wondering what happened to them, the new one is almost finalized on design. It's about headphones. It's about the first time I wore headphones and then the role of headphones throughout my life, um, particularly during the time of this pandemic. And um, the art is done by, or the, the design of the, Zine is done by Luke Curtis, who is a longtime collaborator. He's designed all of these zines. This is the sixth in a series, and he also designed both of my books, and it was his idea to do these books. Um, so yay, Luke Curtis. And um, if you want a copy of the zine, keep an eye out. I'll be talking about it on the podcast. Um, I offer these as special offers on Patreon, so patrons um, will automatically get a copy mailed to them. Um, and if you'd like to become a patron, and if you are a patron, 
Let me let me turn that around a little bit. I would like to offer a quick thank you to my subscribers on Patreon who power this podcast and all the other work I do. This is people, these are people who subscribe for $5 or more a month and get special perks like tons of free downloads of my music and zines, bonus podcasts, nearly 60 of them, and a subscription to this zine that I We'll go back to doing regularly at this time. Um, yes. So thank you, patrons. If you'd like to know more about Patreon, patreon.com slash Michael Heron. Uh, there's links. You'll see a big button that says subscribe on Patreon on my website if you go there. So that's enough about all that stuff. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being my friend. What? And here is a conversation with Melinda Hill. Joining me now on the podcast is comedian Melinda Hill, who is going to be talking with us about so many things, including her new comedy special called Inappropriate. Welcome to the podcast, Melinda. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, for sure. I literally just finished watching the special. I usually like allow, of course, time to like look and see who I'm talking to and all that kind of stuff. And there's so much I haven't uncovered yet. It's exciting to talk about this stuff. Um, since the the special just came out. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that is before we go into more other things? Well, what were your big takeaways? Well, I I literally have a list. Curious to know. I'd be curious to know what were your takeaways? Well, my you know my big takeaway was that reading your press release um mm-hmm. and this is my own <laughs> This is my own stuff. I saw that like you do comedy that's healing and I was a little like, oh no, oh no, I hope this is. And then I was totally like, I, you, you do a great thing. Like it's, and that's one of the things I want to talk about is like the line between healing and kind of like, not necessarily warm, fuzzy, but you know, maybe like the line between having an hour long therapy session and a comedy show like is that a difficult thing to to juggle or to balance oh yeah like not just ranting for an hour about your therapy session yeah i do i do solo like storytelling stuff so okay. that is like a big fear i have so i'm always curious about like i don't want to be like the stereotypical like oh like this is the middle-aged gay guy that's doing <laughs> a, a solo show like do you have like I'm just curious what that whole world is like for you yeah I mean I I'm always trying to navigate that balance um as a performer and a professional therapy goer um, <laughs> no the, the spe- first of all this to answer your first question the special is called inappropriate it is about healing and processing trauma and it the message of the show is we're not defined by what happened to us but we are defined by what we do with what happens to us which is also the theme of my podcast uh let's process this you know to answer your question uh i did not want to do an hour-long therapy session i don't want to do an hour-long ted talk as a comedy special right however i do love a poignant moment mm-hmm. amidst comedy. And I think it's very powerful to not have to assign jokes to something, um, you know, to just let there be some powerful moments within the comedy. I mean, I think if you're putting out a comedy special, you need to deliver some comedy. And so I'm not, you know, but at the same time, there's just such an audience now, now more than ever, there's such an audience. I think people are are thirsty for 
healing and solution and recovery and material that's uplifting and inspiring and empowering and you know that that has like these messages of love and self-love within comedy so basically I was interested in doing you know a comedy special that's healing but it still needs to be funny you nailed it. <laughs> Incidentally, I don't know if you know this. Um, Me too. Yeah, it's so it's so good, and the poignant moments like land just like perfectly so well in my in my <laughs> opinion that you don't even realize that you've just had a poignant moment until a couple seconds later. Like while I was watching it, I was like, "Wait, what? What did she just say?" Like there were a couple. <laughs> I wrote a few of them down. Like I'm fully like gonna be like saying these in my morning affirmations. Like there's such good stuff. Which um, ones? Which ones? I love that that spoke to you. Like, which ones really landed for you? Well, the first one, and the first one I wrote down was, "I think we keep re- recreating our trauma until we heal it, and it's coming up for healing now." Mm. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And then was there another? I stopped writing them down because I didn't want to like give away <laughs> the whole special by like listing these things. Um. But the, the, oh my god. <laughs> I feel like I'm totally geeking out a little bit too much. Um, the, I love it. Are you kidding me? Um, sometimes reality is what's actually happening. I love that line. Yeah, it's like, oh my That's god, like, a hard one truth right there. Yeah, and especially, can we talk about the fact that we're in a global pandemic right now <laughs> and dealing with that line? Like, because there are so many moments of like, whoa, this is really, this is real. Okay. This is really reality. And I mean, that's maybe like an obvious example of that, um, that maybe yeah. it, it hits harder in those moments when it's not like a big deal, but it is, you know. So, yeah, those are those are my thoughts with those. I, I'm curious, like from a process of creating the show standpoint, did those come first? Did you work toward those or did you realize at some point like, oh, I've got these little takeaways in in the show that I could plop in there? Oh, I love to talk process. This is so so fun. I I do a lot of process uh, talk on my, my show too. You got to come guess on my show. Okay. Um, Okay. So um, the first line that you mentioned, sometimes reality is what's actually happening um, is a, is a line that uh, came from telling that story. So this is a real story that happened where I was, I was ghosted. I was Irish goodbye by mm-hmm. the man I was in love with. And I lit, I thought he was, I didn't know if he was dead. I mean, it was just so bizarre, this disappearance. And I was writing about it. I, I was booked on sit and spin. I don't know if you've ever done sit and spin. Um, no. Storytelling show in LA. It's, it's a great little local show. Been running 10 years. It's co-founded by Jill Soloway and Maggie. Uh, row. And it's just a, it's a wonderful storytelling show. But anyway, I was booked to do that. And I was also opening for Taylor Negron at the time. Um, he was having me open the good friend of mine, um, uh, rest in peace. Anyway, he was having me open for him around town. And so I was doing like uncabaret and sit and spin and I, and I was being ghosted at the time. So it was like, I'm, I just wrote about it in real time. And I was, I was, sharing the story, uh, which, um, 
was more poignant than Laffy at the time. And now in the special, it's much more Laffy, but it was in real time, it was devastating. And I, but that's, I remember people coming up and, and being really moved and all that stuff. And then that, when the guy who ghosted me kept, started texting me and telling me that he still loved me. He just had a lot going on with work and his family. <laughs> <laughs> I still was like, but wait, he, he's saying that he loves me, but he, he's not showing up. Um, he's not wanting to see me in person. And then that's when that line occurred to me like, oh, sometimes reality is what's actually happening. Mm. He's not here he's saying one thing he's doing another and i don't know why it was so it, it just it was so profound um to me at the time and i use it for everything now that i started to realize that i could really go in fantasy about people they would tell me one thing and and you know i would believe it and and i don't do that anymore i'm able to look at people's actions not their words you know and it doesn't matter what the words are you've got to look at the actions you've got to check in with your instinct you've got to you know listen to your intuition and trust yourself and all that stuff and i think when you're growing up like in a turbulent home like i grew up in it's 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 challenging to learn to trust your instincts and um and that's been my kind of lifelong practice but um the other the other thing that you mentioned that if we if we don't heal our we, we continue to recreate our trauma until we heal it. Right. So if we don't heal our trauma, we continue to recreate it and it's coming up for healing that to me. You know, I I also love that. Um, and and I think about that a lot. And when I was starting to write this show, I was. um yeah, I, I guess the, the, the ghosted story helped me to start to become friends with reality, to really look at what's happening, not, not what's being said. And, um, and, and to learn that I kind of had an addiction to fantasy. Like I, I was, you know, fantasy really saved me growing up. I would check out, it, it was a safe place to live. I was a voracious reader. I've always been a creative type. It really has served me in my work, but then starting to go like this fantasy addiction is not serving me in my life. And I need to learn to be friends with and accept reality and live within the parameters. But the other line about healing trauma came from, I was starting to write this show and I was really inspired by the Me Too movement and, you know, all of these disenfranchised voices speaking out, advocating for for human rights and equal rights. And I was looking at the, the Me Too movement. I was looking at assault. I was looking at how people were harming people with comedy and power. And I was going, um, OK, but like like it's great that everyone's getting mad. It's so necessary. It's such a zeitgeist. It's such a pivotal moment in our history and culture, but we, we can't just from all I know about, like, just from all I've learned, you know, we can't only blame and shame people. There has to be room, um, you know, for everyone to have our feelings and everyone to express ourselves and our voices and all that. But then we also have to get to, yeah, but how do we get better? You know, how do, how do, can people who are reenacting historical trauma get better? Is there a way to come back? What does redemption look like? Um, what does forgiveness look like? What, 
what is solution moving forward? And, and yes, but it, you know, the, the, the necessary first step is like acknowledging and, and apologizing and, and being appropriate and all that stuff. There are appropriate steps, but then there's also like, what's next? How do we get better? And in looking at that, like what is an appropriate amends and, and so forth, I, it, it caused me to look at myself mm. and go, wait, um, is this just going to be an hour commenting on what's inappropriate in society um, and the Me Too movement? Like, what about my own patterns and trauma? And how? what am I doing with that? You know, people are using comedy to reenact trauma. What am I doing with my comedy? And I just, it really, when I started to put like, all my pieces together for the show, I started to see a pattern as one will <laughs> in my dating stories. And I, I started to go, Oh, what, what's going on here? What's this trauma of just being a completely. And then I was like, I could just got real and honest with that stuff of like, Hey, I'm dating unavailable people because I am completely unavailable. I'm the unavailable person and I want to remain that way. And it's intimacy stuff from my own childhood. And what am I doing to look at that and change that and be a better person? And that's what the show became. It's, so it's not just a show about the Me Too movement or or societal traumas, uh, historical familial traumas. It's about, it also became about my own personal journey, healing trauma and trying to, uh, and, and willingness to have a new experience. Mm. Long answer. Uh, I loved that answer. <laughs> what I like the the moments that that you kind of bring in the the poignancy is that poignancy is that the right word? Point poignancy, right? I think that is correct. Let me Google it. <laughs> I love it. Google break. Because I love to learn new words. Poignancy is completely correct. It is the quality of evoking a keen sense of sadness or regret. Yes. Mm-mm. The, the thing that's beautiful about the show and like really is like this great indication that you're doing the thing you set out to do is uh, toward like midway through the show, like people are on board from the get go. But as when those moments come, the response from the audience is more bigger and bigger. You know, they're like cheering for like, yes, like, thank you for teaching us this thing or like we're coming to this realization after taking us on this, you know, journey that you just did. Um, it's super cool. It's cool. And it really speaks to the power of comedy or performance in general to, to heal. Right. Oh yeah. Like, um, well, thank you for saying that. Sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's like it, I, I guess I just never, I, I've always, I've done storytelling shows for years. I've been an actress for years. I'm familiar with poignant moments, poignancy, (laughs) (laughs) hashtag poignancy, but I never thought to marry all of them together within standup. And so, um, allowing all of those things to exist, um, and not just break everything up with that, you know, laugh every three seconds, you know, recipe. Uh, I guess it was just allow, it was allowing it to not just be stand up, allowing like some authenticity and some realness to, uh, to be there also, which is by the way, what I love, you know, I love to go see other uh, performers get real, tell some truth. Um, and then, 
also make it funny, you know, but with myself, I have been afraid to reveal or share those things. But now what I've like learned about myself is I feel better not segmenting different parts of my life, like just allowing my authentic truth to be enough. And like that, that's actually how I'm going to be able to help people the most is to be like my full and authentic self across the board and stand up and storytelling and acting in life. And to, to like the more that I'm kind of standing in my truth, it, it kind of, you know, the more I see other people standing in their truth, it gives everyone permission to stand in their truth. And, you know, we're not, uh, we're, we're not spending all this energy trying to be what we think other people want to see anymore. Mm. That, that sense of like segmenting, did that kind of accompany your fantasy living that you used to deal with, um, trauma as a kid? Segmenting. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Because I grew up, uh, my dad was a, a rager. So sometimes he would go into rages. And so it was, um, and I think it was due to his un, undiagnosed mental illness that I, you know, I always wish he could have uh, found the right medication for and, and been free of that suffering. But, um, you know, when someone is raging, you are just going to do anything to avoid being in the line of fire. So it's like getting really good at um, predicting um, what people need to hear, what they need to see, what's going to make them be in a good mood. And it kind of makes you an expert people pleaser. So Mm -hmm. getting older, you know, like, uh, you know, Growing up, not getting older because we're ageless. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) We're we're timeless classic. (laughs) Um, You know, you, you start to go like, like, I just kind of realized like, oh my gosh, I'm like trying to be what this person needs to see so that they'll like me and I'm trying to do this. And I just think it's such a dangerous, very slow, especially for women, like, just, I think we're kind of taught to, you know, in some instances, many instances, play small, don't upset anyone. Don't uh, say what you need. Don't scare people away. Be nice. This good girlism, it's like this toxic good girlism is really dangerous. And I think it's behind um, a lot of the, the secrecy that is, you know, enabling um, a lot of, uh, abuses that mm. have been continued to happen. So it's like, well, I could, I could help a lot. I just realized like I could help a lot more people if I'm standing in my full and authentic truth. If I'm like saying, Hey, I'm working on love, I'm working on self-love. Um, and I'm, and I'm speaking my voice and I'm being authentic and, you know, thinking in terms of people who, who can't do that yet or don't have the platforms. It's like the more someone's doing that and, and standing in that, I think the more everyone else feels a little bit like, Oh, I could, I could do that too. Like I don't have to live in these prisons of perfectionism, people pleasing secrecy, you know, enabling and can't we all just get along? 
one of the things that I noticed with when I first started doing like solo shows, the first show I did, I'm a musician. I've always been like pianist, almost always behind the scenes. And I finally decided to do this solo show like maybe six or seven years ago. And the first time I did it, I was like really freaked out. And like, so that paranoia I talked about in the beginning of like, am I just being completely self-indulgent by like doing a show, telling my stories about me and, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. after the show, I realized like someone came and thanked me for telling this story because they had the same experience and hadn't been able to tell anyone. I chills, chills. Have you, have you had that? Yes. And that, and, and that's why we do it. Yeah. And that finally, it made me like, okay, this, I'm, I am doing this for other people. You know, it's, it's so beautiful, like hearing you say that, because that's my experience as well. Like, I remember telling that Irish goodbye story and being like, I can't even believe I'm talking about this This is so embarrassing. This person who's allegedly in love with me, (laughs) allowing me to think he might be dead. And I'm telling a room full of strangers and people coming up, hugging me, saying, thank you for saying that. You know, that happened to me, like five people going, that happened to me, realizing this is like, oh, a phenomenon that's happening with delusional fantasy addicts across America. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) And and then like Taylor, Taylor saw me tell that story and he put it on Facebook and blasted it out to his group and said, you know, Melinda told the most devastating, beautiful human. And I was like, oh, this is helping people. Mm-hmm. And then the more I discovered about the story, the more it really helped me. And, and and I'm sure the more that you continue to tell your stories, again, not everyone can tell a story like we can. So we do have a unique opportunity to 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 be of service, you know, by even being able to talk about things that a lot of people can't talk about, but yet they do experience relief when someone else talks about. And these are like secrets. Like they they keep secret. They, (laughs) I, well, actually I don't keep that many secrets, which is maybe a problem unto its own, (laughs) but you know, like it helps people deal with their own shame of having done something that they think they're all alone and having done. And then suddenly like, oh, someone's telling this to an audience. Yeah, I think it's beautiful. It is so beautiful. And and how much relief do we feel? Like when I hear someone on a podcast or show talking about something that I've been through that I felt previously ashamed of to be, it just immediately helps everyone kind of process it and I think just to not feel alone, not to feel like you're the only one who's gone through that or felt that or is dealing with that now, because, you know, there's that saying, we're only as sick as our secrets. Mm-hmm. And so we start sharing our secrets. And I also love that it's kind of like the M&M effect, you know, where he's in that movie where he goes and he goes to the rap battle and tells all the worst stuff about himself first. It's like, what are you going to do now? I just told you everything. (laughs) You got nothing. But there, that's a, there is a real power in that. Like, yeah, like you're saying. And it's a, yeah, it's a total freedom. And my gosh, I remember Madonna whenever she had someone, you know, in her young art school days, she posed nude for someone and he later 
published them, all these naked photos of her. And, and I remember just the headline being so wet. I am not ashamed. And I was like, wow, like, but it's so important, you know, and I'm watching this, this series about this, the cult, the, the vow about the Nixium cult. Oh yeah. And how he just, um, indoctrinated and imprisoned these women with their own collateral of their secrets and how empowering, um, to be able to tell your own secrets and, and, and write your own narrative, you know, and, uh, that's what that is when, when, when we share our, our truth. Now I would caution against doing it before. Like if you, it's not a substitute for actual therapy. It's not a substitute <laughs> for actual healing. Although I know some performers who, you know, use it as such uh, like for me, I want to have my own healing in order first, you know, before I'm presenting like that kind of stuff, because I want to be able to offer some solution around it. But again, sometimes you don't have a solution yet. And it, you're an artist and you want to share your process. Yeah, I guess that's what what going back to that beginning question that I had about walking the line between healing, you know, like having an hour long therapy session and an hour long comedy show is your perspective of having written it from a place of exploring it already on your own. And you're not just dumping your shit. You're like explaining or, or sharing this process of growth that you've had. Does that sound accurate? Yes. And, and thank you for saying that because I don't, I, I did want, I think and the narrative arc is what separates it from mm. um, just being some unresolved pain, some, um, or, or even just an hour of straight jokes, which would have been fine too. But I would, am interested in, I think people can relax more when they know you're okay now, a, eh? and, mm. um, they know it's okay to laugh, you know, because you're not, you're not, uh, it's not a, a crying hour. It's a comedy hour. Yeah. But yeah, I, I did. I, I also think like, I don't want to make the audience um, uncomfortable. I, I want my intention is, is to help them feel empowered, uplifted, transformed, inspired, illuminated. You know, I want to provide insights. I want to um, share healing and solution. So that's, you know, it's like I had to find that within myself before I could share it. Did making the show and, you know, sharing it and it's widely distributed now. Um, yeah. did it, did it do the job that you wanted it to do? Yeah, I guess it did. That was it's such a good question because I wanted to continue a conversation about change, growth, redemption, triumph of the human spirit, transcendence, transformation, all the teas. I wanted <laughs> to continue that conversation. And so that's what's happening, you know, because when you, when you go watch it, you know, you went and watched it and now we're having the conversation about 
about this. And so I guess when I realized, like, I felt some anxiety, like, oh, I've got to come up with the solution for the Me Too movement. Mm. And when I realized, like, I'm not the Me Too expert, you know, I'm not Dr. Me Too. I'm just a girl interested in uh, continuing the conversation about solution. Well, then as long as I'm like aligned with that, um, I'm doing I'm doing what I set out to do. So I definitely, and I'm really excited when like you just told me that you, you got it and you, you felt the intent and, and you were moved by it. And, you know, that makes me so happy, like getting messages like that and, and hearing that from people. It's like, okay, they, people are getting it. They're getting the intention and yes. And I'm ready to make the next one. I have more to say, you know, so I want to just continue to I want to continue that conversation in other forms as well. Ah, uh, is that uh, is there something there to tell, or is are you still in process with that stuff? Yeah, um, well, I'm I'm doing um, I'm writing a book. Ah, yeah, <laughs> and I'm writing um, a movie um, with some of the 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 stuff from the special like i'm turning it into a movie so and there's like a series in the works too so i'm i'm definitely like i feel like so much of the special was film school for me learning how to do it because i also directed it but now i feel like the second one will be so much easier to make you know um now that i know narrative arc and structure and how to do all that stuff. But also um, what I'm most excited about is that I was able to articulate a message that's meaningful to me that would have helped me if I had learned it, you know, earlier in life, but now I'm so grateful I've learned it now. So I I guess that's what I feel for me most excited about and most proud of is that I articulated a message that's meaningful for me. Um, I was able to to ascertain where I could add the most value to the world with my work. And I feel like now that I've figured that out, I have so much more work to do, but the work seems easier now that I know I'm doing that. Mm. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at the time and we're running out of it and I'm so like, no, not yet. That went so fast. Yeah, I, I want to make sure we talk a little bit about your podcast. There's a spot in the description of your podcast where you talk about how you're you're talking to people and helping them to turn trauma into creative treasure by rewriting narratives, which I thought is like a beautiful thing. We talked about that a little bit, but that's what you do on your podcast as well, yeah? Yes, my podcast is uh, focused on turning trauma into creative treasure and the creative process. So you'll hear, you know, showrunners, authors, you know, best-selling authors, um, people who turned their, one woman turned her sex and love addiction into a a book that's coming out called uh, Secrets of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. One person, we had the, like the, the, creator of dead to me, um, Liz Feldman. Oh, wow. Yeah. She's amazing. The creator of high town, Rebecca Cutter speaking about overcoming her addiction and creating, um, that amazing show high town that, uh, Jerry Bruckheimer produced. And so there's just like a lot of stories and my intention is just to 
again, just to show people like, look, whatever you're going through right now does not define you. There are solutions available. There is healing. Anytime you choose that, you can be on the other side of this. You can be, you know, moving toward something positive, positive. And we don't have to live in the, in the prisons of our past. Like that is, that is a, a choice that we can stop making today. We can, we can make a new choice. And, and I, when I learned that for myself, that I, you know, I may have starred in this disaster movie before, but it's today I'm starting a new movie because I choose that and I'm making positive choices. So I don't know. I'm, I'm really interested in showing people solutions and, and, and being like, look, these people did this and, you know, and keeping that conversation going because as a creative person, um, there were definitely times and years that I could not create. I couldn't show up for my art. I wasn't able to, I didn't realize I was suffering from trauma. I didn't realize I was very un- unconscious about all that stuff. And I, and all I wanted to do was, was show up and be an artist and create things. And there were all these things within me undermining me. So I, I just want to share, um, solution i want people to know that they can do that too we we all can do that Mm, i love it i I just (laughs) i I keep wanting to do that damn response again (laughs) Uh, but there's just so much in all of this and i love the way you're using your various media mediums we got to look this up your various approaches toward creating stuff to to share that message so the podcast is called let's process this with melinda hill the uh, special is inappropriate. It's called inappropriate, and it's streaming on a ton of different places. Um, and anywhere else, people should look for you online. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, inappropriate also is uh, it's a comedy special, but it's also an album. I don't know if you knew that, but if people just want to listen to it, they can. If they just want to watch it, they can. If they want to hear the Audible book, there's an Audible book now, and. Um, you can get all of that at melindahill.com. And there's also a new movie coming out that I did. Uh, I did a lead role in this movie. It's called Love Weddings and Other Disasters. And it's starring Diane Keaton, uh, Jeremy Irons, King Batch. And that's coming out December 4th, streaming on all platforms. And you can find out all the info at melindahill.com. I love it. And for people who are listening, if you're like driving a car or on a train or something, um, don't have a heart attack. You can always just go to MikeyPod.com and I'll put all of this information in the show notes as well. Melinda, thank you for being on the show today. I really love talking to you. You too. You're just a delight. Oh, stop. (laughs) It was great. We'll have to do this again. For sure. I would love it.
That was Bridget Barkin with Original Face. Uh, she just released that this week, and I last minute said, hey, send me that. Uh, the video is outstanding. you got to look in the show notes. I'll put a link to check out the video. It's super cool. I really love that song. And Bridget is a powerhouse artist, friend. Yay. Uh, thanks, Melinda Hill, for being on the show. And thank you for listening. Tell a friend. Um, tell an enemy. Tell someone to listen to this podcast this week. I have a lot of great interviews coming up. You're going to want to stay tuned, so definitely stay subscribed. And uh, that's it. Yay. Talk to you next week. Bye.